Welcome back to Relatable. Listen in to hear more about Paul's cancer journey. So when, with the fever and everything, you know, things were kind of going south. And I remember mm-hmm. getting a call. I would call every – so I had to leave. I would leave at like 7 each night because of, I would have to get escorted to and from the hospital because of the bad area. So I'd have to be like escorted by an armed guard. And I would leave around 7 and try to get back to you by like 9 the next day. Yeah. And I yeah. would call when I, every you'd night. Always, yeah. You'd every always night. call and then we'd text and – I'd even text you in the middle of the night sometimes yeah. too. So then do you, so tell me what happened when, um, and you were getting x-rayed all the time because of the temperature and they were trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I was x-rayed every morning, which was extremely uncomfortable. And tell, tell me about the whole, when you had to get put on the ventilator. Do you remember that? I don't. It's like I... So many of the things at the time I remember so clearly, and the more it's in the rear view mirror, I don't remember. Maybe it's uh, a little like bit PTSD. of self, yeah, yeah. It's self-preservation. I did. The one thing I always remember is like I do remember, you know, looking at my body and saying, "This isn't. This can't be my body." Like really seeing how quickly from being in bed, how quickly my strength was sapped mm-hmm. and the weight I lost. And my legs were like twigs and there was like skin hanging off my arms. And I just never, I never, been ex- like, yeah, yeah, I've always Big sturdy dude. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, just remember like my body betraying me and I was almost like, felt like I was inside a stranger and you don't have a mirror either. It's not like you, hey, how do I look with this <laughs> ventilator on? You're not checking yourself out. Yeah. So then you're even kind of even more in your head because of it. It's, it's really that part I remember, and I remember how weird it felt. Like I was, somebody else was occupying my body. I was waiting to just, hey, you know, can I have my old body back? They called me in the morning. So it had happened, that no one called me when it happened, which, you know, whatever. But they called me in the morning and um, they said, you know, we need to let you know we had to put your husband on a ventilator um, he has fluid in his lungs and yeah. he, you know, we, it was a kind of a critical crisis moment. So I go in and you're on the ventilator and you're, um, you are restrained. Yeah. Because I can't because pull at any of the tubes. Pull out. Yeah. And they have all the other tubes in him and he's I just still... remembered the yeah. ventilator. I remember it. You do? I do. Okay. I remember... The part where I was in... You were getting x-rayed, weren't you? I thought. Yeah. And I was in extreme pain. And I was blacking out. And it was almost like... I guess it's like... I felt like I was underwater. And I remember them telling and yelling at me, just, you've got to stay still, sir. you got to stay still. I guess I was trying to get up or something. Mm. I have no idea. And I, I remember like opening my eyes and not being able to see anything like it was black it was completely black um and i don't know if i really was opening my eyes or it was total 
and I, I don't even want to say dreamlike because it was nightmare-like stage for a long time, and almost like I was in a separate room, and everybody was trying to get in in a way. I felt like very muffled. Uh, I was like I was underwater, uh, and everybody was trying to help me, but it's almost like I felt like I was in a room they couldn't get to, and they couldn't help me. It was uh, it was weird. And did you feel at that point where you like, oh, I guess this is it? I did. I remember feeling like, well, I guess this is the end. You know, uh, I did not see any lights. Uh, there wasn't. There was no stairway mm-hmm. going upwards. Uh, it was very dark and blank and nothingness. That's kind of what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I think for me, like once you were vented and still having a fever and the IVs and the antibiotics, they were not working. They couldn't really tell me what was wrong. You would like your your vitals were all over the place like yep. they were beeping and then they'd be dropping and um and so there was sort of this yeah this last Hail Mary of the last kind yeah. of antibiotics they could try yeah which worked thankfully and mm-hmm. that so your fever started to get better incrementally but now we had the issue of the vent and like being able to breathe on your own yeah the fluid in my lungs was a huge part of it yes and then how oxygenated i was that was a big part of it too um i remember hearing them you know every day in the CQ talking about like doing the every rounds. The patient mm-hmm. you know and doing the rounds and i remember they'd always do the rounds like they talk right outside and i could kind of hear and um you know you could hear this battle between the nurses and the doctors it was really interesting like um they were my advocate in some ways and the doctors were going against it uh but then the doctors are like ultimately like we, we gotta own we own this like we have to do it the best way we see fit so there was a lot of times they were in agreement and there were some times where you could hear them kind of being i don't even say heated it was very diplomatic but yeah it was kind of fascinating yeah yeah and i think you were on the event for three or four days um, was I, don't about, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even remember. Right. Do you remember it coming out? Uh, I was not in the CQ when it came out, right? No, you were. I was? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so many things taken out of my body. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember the, the two. That was the, when that, that yeah. was like later. So yeah. once it came out, then we had to get, that was the other thing that was kind of amazing. Like once we sort of got you out of the critical state of like, is he going to die? Then it was like getting you strong enough to go to that next interim level. And they do Um, not want you, like once I could, you know, once I had literally survived that, it was like, okay, now you got to start moving. Like we need you. And it was. And like I said, being a stranger in my own body. Do you remember the um, first time you kind of got up to walk and you, you said it and felt like it was. I did. I genuinely felt. Like I was squatting 400 pounds. Like that's... And like on your chest, right? Because of your lungs. Yeah, and because of my lungs and because of all the staples and everything. And then on top of it, you have, you know, how many people do I need? Two or three Mm -hmm. every time I'm even moved to move all the equipment with me. Yeah. And I just remember like, you know, it was like the pilot in the movie Airplane where he's sweating. 
as soon as I would stand up, it was Niagara Falls. It just, I would perspire so much and just trying to inch. It was, it was like the inch, door, yeah. the door was a marathon. And it sounds so ridiculous, but that's what it felt like. I would stand up and the door might as well have been yeah. 30 miles away. That's and how like, far. At that felt. point, like, what would you say was motivating you? Because I think that, um, well, I don't, I mean, I kind of know it because when, when for you and like where you were with your lung capacity and all of that, you know, I think there was some concern that, that you would not regain full lung capacity again because yeah. of just how, you know, how, how like not only post-surgery, but the radiation and the fact that the radiation may have had on your lungs and other things. Yeah. So yeah. when, when you felt like that and you were in the, um, sick you and like you know what was it that sort of kept you going then uh i mean knowing how many people were in my corner how many people were rooting for me that was a big motivator getting out of the hospital was a big motivator i was like get me out of this place whatever i need to do yeah um and sometimes i'd waver you know like i didn't want to do certain things but for the most part and even the nurses were telling me this, like whatever I was asked, like in the rehab, like whatever you got to do, I would, I would do it. Like, like, what are we doing? I'm dreading this. It's terrifying, but let's do it. Because if that gets me out of the hospital, yeah. And that's kind of the micromanage of management of it too, like the baby steps, really to say, you know, don't think too far ahead. Don't, you know, get overwhelmed. Think about literally your next few steps. Think about doing this you know number of exercises twice a day uh kind of all that stuff and trying to get like even within the hospital itself trying to get routine to know that this is okay i'm doing this now so my day is progressing um and it made it somewhat more manageable meant from yeah. a mental aspect but it was still like uh, it, it felt like the clock was going backwards when I was in and there. And for sure, even all the way through, I would say, like, the nights... Were long, super long. And hard. And you don't sleep, you know, you really don't, because they check your vitals. You know, in the, in the CQ, I don't know how often it was. I think it was, like, every hour they're checking right. your vitals. And um, once I got to the other wing of the hospital, that um, was every four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a minimum a lot of times it was you know it was more um, so yeah that was a challenge just uh, the only way I'd sleep is when I was I would pass out from exhaustion that's how I'd sleep I always equated it to you know especially with all the tubes and stuff just imagine I would say imagine being at a dental appointment that doesn't end for three weeks and you're in the chair that's honestly oh that's the only way I could equate to what it really felt felt like like no matter if you're up or there's you're asleep you're in pain you're worried your um your mind's racing and then they couldn't give me they couldn't alleviate my anxiety with any pills because respiratory wise they didn't want anything slowing down in terms of my breathing my heartbeat they're like we cannot take that chance so like my anxiety stuck. was ramping up really high. So we finally graduate to the to the um, 
kind of inter- like the next level of care. Mm-hmm. And um, all the nurses in the SICU were great. The, the last one we had was like amazing. She she was really, Oh really my great. gosh, she was awesome. Um, she said, she, we're breaking you out today. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? She's, and it was a gorgeous day. Because um, this is around April, right? Yeah. Um, it just was like, you know, kind of that early summer, mm-hmm. sense of summer, spring. And, you know, it was a great breeze and the sun was out and there's this nice courtyard there. And she basically convinced all the doctors to get me outside, which was unheard of because I had like three machines attached yeah. to me. It took like four people to get me down there. Uh, even even the sickest patient, patients were watching me go by like, damn. You know what I mean? So uh, She was amazing. She was amazing. And I'll, yeah. it still makes me choked up because when we get to the next floor and she, she kind of shepherded us to the next level of care, she said, um, that's his favorite pillow. Like she knew your yeah. favorite pillow. Yeah. And I just, every time I think about it, it makes me like get upset because not upset, but yeah. like at this, this like they, they were such good caretakers, you know, Dude, they were, um, th- those nurses in the CQ yeah. were awesome. They're unbelievable. Yeah. And then, you know, then you get to the next level of care and you're like, okay, he's out of the woods, but yeah, the, but the, it's, kind of strange where it's like the real work begins because that's where you had to kind of fight back yeah and like i got a call while you were there from palliative care that was basically telling me like you were going to come home in the state that you were in like day two up there yeah like this was going to be the rest of your life yeah yeah nobody the unknown was yeah yeah the unknown was was very large you know and that's kind of why i tried not to think too far ahead like let me get through this you know i i even think those the you know pt people that came in were just they were great to me that was where it became tactical practical like you're going to get up you're going to stand up here are the exercises you're going to do you have to move around you have to get stronger yeah we're going to put you on oxygen but we're going to take you off too and I remember them taking that oxygen away and feeling like, feeling like somebody's ha- shoved my head underwater, you know, yeah, you like just can't, just breathe. can't breathe. It's just so the and body, now, body was And now, how are your lungs me. now? Do you Good. have any residual? Honestly, they're awesome. Like, I do think I started working out a little too hard too early when I felt better and there was still water in my lungs. I think there was water in my lungs for a long time, but now I feel really good. Yeah. I can go for a run and... I'm nothing, nothing that I was before. And part of that's age too, but still. Yeah, I I feel really good now. Eating's really good. From from that perspective, uh, I'm I'm super happy, super grateful. And I think that was a big part of it too, is realizing how uh, it's changed my view in so many ways. Yeah. In in so many good ways. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that just from the whole experience. Like how, how do you think you've changed? I think I'm way more grateful and optimistic. I never used to, I was, yeah, I was very pessimistic and individual in the, in these kind of ways. I feel like it's made me feel more grateful for what I have. It's worrying less about what I don't have. I think it's, made me more busy to in a good way to pursue my side hustles my hobbies to be better at work all that stuff because you realize as i think joey says time's an expiring asset like you treat it as an asset you you know make the most of it you've got to enjoy it 
And I feel like a lot of that, for me, I get gratification from just doing things, accomplishing things, um, being active. So in that perspective, you know, time itself, I've become Mm -hmm. way more aware of it and how we're all on a timeline, right? You know? Yeah. We don't know what our expiration date is, but it's there for all of us. You know, no matter what you believe, we're, I think everybody would agree we're, we're born, we live and we die. Um, and it's kind of like those living moments to really, uh, just take advantage of it, you know? Um, also the comparators that were in there too, like there's a few things that really stick out to me, you know, with chemo, I remember kind of feeling down one day and I saw a father and son come in and they're getting it was radiation i'm sorry waiting to get radiation treatment and the boy was 12 and i remember seeing his uh robe was a different color you know and the father just putting his arm around the kid and i was like you do not like you know I, i just felt like i didn't i have it bad i don't have that you know i can't imagine having to deal with that with like one of our kids. Mm -hmm. And I also remember thinking about my network and being real grateful there where I would see people that would chemo and radiation and they were taking cabs home or Ubers. Like they literally were getting dropped off and picked up by a taxi service. And I would be like, man, there's either they don't want anybody to know or they don't have anybody. I, I, that kind of broke my heart too. So I felt like it, it opened my eyes to all the people that are in my life, which I'm super thankful for. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, you know, the, um, I mean, and, and you mentioned it a lot in your writing. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah. I think like our friends and family that showed up and, you know, you, you kind of, you know, I, I definitely pride myself on someone that's being like pretty independent and kind of can take care of business. And when you go through something like this, you know, you, you are at, um, you're extremely vulnerable and you need people. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways, what a beautiful opportunity to feel all of that love. And when you open yourself up to it and you're open to people being there for you, boy, do they show up. And like yeah. it makes life, you know, someone told me this when we were about to go through it. She said, you know, you, you'd hate to have to go through something like this, but it is this unbelievable experience that unites people and you go through yeah. this thing together and you know you hate to think of it like we all have to die in order to see all the love but like we saw that's what I think I got love. the benefit of like I'm still here but I got to see all of it yeah. and you know part of like being taken care of you man you have to forfeit your ego it is so hard because yeah. you want to be that person that's like I can take care of myself I can do this I got this right and I'm very much like that yeah and I think I had to learn very quickly based on how my state deteriorated that, uh, yeah, you need all the help you can get. Yeah. So you better start calling in the favors. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> and mean? And we did. Yeah, we, we did. did. Yeah. We got a lot to pay back. So. <laughs> what do you think was the hardest part of your recovery? Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.tfasoftskills.com for more information. 
I think the hospital definitely getting out of there, um, you know, that kind of gave me that extra boost and I was so happy to be home, but then I realized still how long that road was. You know, Liza coming over, going all over, like uh, just, I think, you know, kind of the next level of like feeding tube stuff I had to worry about. And then the rehab specialists coming over and giving me treatment and like working me out and just how hard those workouts were. You know, when I had done, you know, I've done a marathon, I've done a 24 hour mountain bike race, I did football practice, I did football for four years in high school, I did track, I played football in the August heat and the kind of freezing cold of November too. Like it's, you know, I've, I've, I've done all that stuff, but I, I will say those workouts, I mean, I like in the hospital just walking and then I remember after that I could walk, them really working me. Like they did not put up with stuff. Right. Like yeah. you're going to do this, you're going to do it again. You're going to, so they were like, and I was just, I remember just my shirt being saturated. And don't you, do you think like just being an athlete, that athlete mentality really helped you? I absolutely 100% having been what I'd already been through with a lot of things, just from a physical standpoint, not from a mental standpoint, but almost knowing that I could tap into that foundation that already existed, I think was very helpful to know that it's accessible again. You yeah. know, you can get, yeah. I can get, I can get there again. I think that was, uh, like mentally a- extre- of extreme help to me knowing that that physical foundation existed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, um, well, mention because if people haven't read it or seen it, there's a Caring Bridge journal that you kept that is unbelievable. Oh, and thank you. your your journey, you I think when did you start it? Do you remember? Well, I started just more journaling for my own medical condition, and that was kind of you know very dry. You know, this yeah. is what I ate today. This is what I experienced, and then kind of started adding more things to it. And then when I was in the hospital and, you know, even after the diagnosis and stuff, kind of, I always explain it that I have to write things down in order to figure out what I'm trying to say. I'm not really good on the fly kind of thing. I I do have to really concentrate. So that for me was very therapeutic. Like it helped me process my emotions. Um, but, you know, there was a long period of time where I couldn't write. Like, I, I couldn't do anything. So there were long stretches during the recovery process where I wasn't able to do any of it. So most of it were jotted down notes. And you would even jot down notes for me in the hospital. Like, yeah. hey, what, can, what do you want to write about? And I would just kind of rattle things off that I was experiencing in the moment to say, don't lose sight of that. Because you're not going to remember everything. And I right. don't want you to forget this. Um and then it's more of when I got home, I feel like when I started doing the rehab and I had all that, all those kind of old journal entries and going through that, I was like, I need to write about this. I think it'll make me feel better kind of about how far I've come and, you know, what I'm trying to get through. And, you know, maybe for others too that are experiencing the same thing, which is kind of the purpose of Caring Bridge too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I found it all... Uh, soothing in a way Mm -hmm. Um, and i think you know you're such a good writer and i think you have such a great way of like 
you would always interject your humor a little bit. I try to. (laughs) And then like the kind of with the heaviness of it. And I know people would like, I think you were writing some during treatment too, because I think people were. You might be right. I think you started earlier than the hospital because I remember, you know, people would ask me like, where's the update this week? I know. That was part of it too, because there was big gaps. I think I had to give you my password one time. When we were at the hospital, for sure. When we were in the hospital. I did do an update. Yeah, you did. Um, I remember that. But we, um, yeah, and the other thing I will say too, just because we have this opportunity and, and if people at Carfax are listening, like your, your team, you know, the people at Carfax were unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, super supportive. And so um, connected to me and making sure that you were okay mm-hmm. and, and always very, like whatever you need, you know, they were just, we're going to take care of business. And so just a huge appreciation for for, for them and for, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I did, I, and, and it made me feel better because I really did full-on check out. Like, you have to, and that was, I think, another thing about forfeiting your, like, I had forfeiting your ego is about you're not going to, you can't do it all. Guess what? You're not going to, your health is the number one priority. That is all you can focus on. Do not focus on anything else. And that was kind of hard, too. Not that I could have done anything anyways, but... <laughs> You know, it's weird to be like, well, it's just me now and I've got to do this in order for me to do anything else later in life. So Yeah. 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 So they they were amazing. What is your Caring Bridge, just in case someone's listening? Is it just look up Paul Freeman on Caring Bridge? I think so. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think it's Caring Bridge and Paul Freeman Journal, something like that. Uh, You know you got to the right person if it shows me with sunglasses on with the mountains behind me that's i think my go. my snap pick yeah. so yeah yeah i can always put it in the show notes oh too. okay that sounds like pretty uh yeah. fancy uh-huh there's a couple of things left one is like you know for somebody that's either in the throes of this right now mm-hmm. just got diagnosed even if it's a different form of cancer you know given where you are in your journey with it you know what what advice do you have like what what would you want them to know or how could you help them do you think I would definitely say you're going to be tested and ultimately you're stronger than you than you think you are. I think that was what kind of was revealed for me. I think in this area, you know, I've kind of had this love-hate relationship with Northern Virginia my whole life. But living in this area, I mean, I think that's part of the reason I'm still alive. Right. I'm not kidding, man. Like with that Shark Cancer Institute and then the Johns Hopkins you know, hospital, like it's just been the most amazing care. It's like, I can't think of other places I would, would want to go right? Um, to have better care in the entire world. And what else would I say? I, you know, I would say I, I've kind of like, <laughs> I think I've said it a few times already, forfeit your ego. You need help. Get people to help you. Ask for help. Um, and, you know, take it when you can get it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a big part of it too. Um, kind of just giving in and making getting better your number one priority. We we should do a shout out for Dr. Broderick too. So oh, we talked about awesome. Dr. Cannon, who's like been yeah. amazing. Um, and Dr. Broderick was the surgeon, and he was also amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, um, absolutely. He was. Um, I really liked his demeanor because you actually we actually had an option to choose we between. We talked to a couple. Yeah. yeah. As soon as we talked to him, I'm like, this is the guy. He was very, he explained it very well. And he also, 
He laughed at one of your jokes. He laughed at one of my jokes, <laughs> but supremely confident too, which you know, you kind of, yeah. you want your surgeon to be confident. You want your surgeon to be confident, but also not sidestepping any questions. So I got this transparency, honesty, directness. I, I liked, I liked him. And even when, you know, he'd come visit us when it wasn't, even when it was not going well, he was very kind of honest about yeah. like, Hey, this is where we are. I remember telling him, like, you said I was going to feel like I got hit by a, tr- by a car, but you didn't say it'd be a two-ton truck. I remember him laughing <laughs> about that, too. <laughs> you know, we've touched on it a little bit, but I would mm-hmm. just say, like, here's kind of your opportunity to to at least say some things or with respect to, you know, the people that supported you and helped you. You know, there's so like we were talking about it earlier in terms of kind of all that love and support. So what what would you want to say to to everybody that was kind of there for you? Man, I I think it's, you know, amazing how many people were just involved in being my support. You know, obviously you were the rock more than, you know, anybody else. Uh really just my complete advocate and being able to kind of be the liaison in the hospital too. Cause you know, I got two, I got like, what are they yeah. going to ask me? I can't answer. <laughs> oh. I had to write all my answers on a board. I literally had a grease board and a pen and I would, that's how I would answer questions because yes. I couldn't talk right. for days and days and days. It's yeah. crazy. So yeah, obviously you, uh, first and foremost, I mean, the nurses were phenomenal. They were so awesome. Um, across the board. I think I had like one day, a half day with a bad experience from a nurse. Literally everybody else was just knocking it out of the park. Doctors, surgeons, all phenomenal. And then just my support group, like all the friends and family and, you know, um, you know, Mary Jo being able to come Mm -hmm. take care of me. Uh, my mom coming up Mm -hmm. and taking care of me. Um, Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. Karen, yeah, yeah, Karen, you know, was always there for support. Uh, the neighborhood really coming together. I remember even the one day, I don't, I think it was maybe post-feeding tube. I don't know if it was post-surgery, but having like, there was like five guys in my bedroom just hanging out, like talking to me, <laughs> shooting the shit. And it was, I remember how cool, like that felt really cool. Like just joking around and I just felt like, man, they're just here to see me just check in how I was doing. Yeah. Ramming, you know, Paul Ramming was like a godsend. Um, and then others came to visit me, Cap and Joey. That was, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, Joey. Let's yeah, just... that's right. We had this um, breathing apparatus that have to go at least every half hour for like, every 50... or was it 15 minutes? It was... I had to do something that was pretty dramatic. Yeah. You're literally just breathing in and out of this tube, but it has it's 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 this gauge. I forgot exactly what it's called. Spirometer. Like, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, I try to forget that. Maybe that's PTSD. Trying to forget the name of that we apparatus. Still have it upstairs. I do. It's just I do it every once in a while just to a almost give it the middle finger. Like, look what I can do now. Look what I can do now. But it's you know a gauge to figure out how long you can breathe out and at what like level you can breathe out, like the mm-hmm. pressure you're putting out. So when I first would do it, it would, it would literally go, ba-dunk, like, ba-dunk. It would go up maybe to like, the thing goes up to like 2,500. I think it'd go up to 500 and hit down. And it was so insulting to me. And I remember it would happen like in a tenth of a second. 
And they're like, you got to keep trying. You got to keep trying. They, the nurses were not having Relentless. it. Like they were yeah. hammering it home. So Joey, of course, I go, you know, he comes to visit me at Johns Hopkins for the day. And he's like, oh, I got a job, right? Yeah. And he kept, I, I was like, when are you leaving? Because yeah. <laughs> he kept giving it to me. It's time. It's time. Didn't Get to it. Say you're a dick. Yeah, I did. Basically, <laughs> you're a dick. Um, but now, yeah, I do it on purpose, and I just yeah. breathe out on it, and I get that thing to like fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred, and I hold it there for like eight seconds, and I, I just, you know, it's some. Yeah. It's a, I think that's why I don't put it away. It's just like just yeah. a nice reminder to be like, look how far you know, I, I've come, and it's so much of it is you know that. It does take a village. It really did. It took a huge yeah. support base to, you know, get me back to where I am today. So, And yeah. the boys. Uh, yeah, dude. They were awesome. Man, like, Luke, Luke was awesome. Um, Josh was never afraid to ask any questions. Mm-hmm. And Scott was kind of, kind of the quiet doer. Like, he would mm-hmm. just, you know, he'd get things done. Yeah. Um, and, you know, anything. Like, I need Gatorade. I need two seconds they were like on it on it coming dad got it and that was really hard too but i kind of got a little used to it (laughs) i'm glad i don't have to do it anymore yeah yeah one of the things you said too that i wanted to just touch on because i thought it was interesting you said when we've had this conversation about how things have changed you talked about you were somebody that thought a lot about the past prior to this whole experience yeah and maybe even romanticize the past i think so absolutely or beat myself up about the past it was kind of like this dichotomy of um or i would say just these two opposite feelings of one being nostalgia and one being uh, regret and i feel like you know it that took it away in a way like Mm -hmm. enjoy the present I feel like that's a huge win. You know, yeah. I talked about being great, grateful, um, and I think enjoying the present has really hit home for me. And something I I struggled with very much. So I always struggled with enjoying the present. Mm-hmm. And I was either worried about the past or I was worried about something in the future. So then I would not treat the present for what it was worth. I think I've gotten much better about that. Still got a long way to go because I think that's always a work in progress. But yeah, that's that's a big takeaway for me. And too. I do think like I don't. It's not off the charts, but I do think you say yes more. You know, yes, I think you're, I, absolutely. You're, that's you're, another thing. I, you know, it's weird. I always say yes and no are the two most important words of the English language, particularly with just behavior. And we are making yes and no decisions all the time. Right behaviorally even if we're not saying it out loud you watch what somebody what they do mm-hmm. you'll figure out what they're saying yes to and what they're saying no to so in a way i think also i've been able to say no more easily to things that just in my like i might be doing that and a lot of times in the past it'd be like i'm doing that to please somebody else i'm doing that so somebody doesn't get mad at me and just like uh you know maybe i'll go out and then i won't you know they won't feel as bad or they won't give me shit about it and and now it's like i'm gonna do what i want to do i mean not not in a completely selfish way right. either but yeah i think i do say yes to things that i find that i'm more interested in that i get more out of 
and 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 I like it. I like myself a lot better than I did before. I really Which do. Which is amazing. Yeah. When you think about, and that's the pessimistic to op- optimistic. Yeah. yeah. You know? So there, there's still some residue. Don't get me wrong. You know, I can, I can be, uh, <laughs> I can be gloom and doom with the best of them, but I feel like I've gotten a lot better, and that part of my personality, personality is diminished greatly in a good way. Yeah. We have we're we're looking forward to August of twenty twenty three. Oh yeah. And Bring we're, it. you know, not just what, like months away at this point. Yeah. So yeah. um anybody that's listening, continued prayers and uh, positive mojo as we kind of hopefully near the end of this of this journey. Yep. Uh and um again, just a huge thank you to to anyone that's listening, uh, that was part of our village because we couldn't have done it without you. And um, and I'm I'm just so grateful for how f- hard you fought because I think oh, thank you. if you didn't have that in you, you know, it would have been a different outcome. <laughs> so the fact yeah. that like I remember that day going in and you were at the vent uh, on and you looked at me and I was like, you're not done yet, and you kind of gave me this thumbs up. We were like, yeah, this is not this is not where this yeah. ends. This yeah. is not how the story ends. No. And so no. I think you know I think about you a lot in terms of just seeing that so up close. Like it's inspiring to see how you've been able to like fight through it and oh, and kind of learn these lessons and yeah. then you know how it's positively affecting your life it, now. It, it totally has. I would never want to go through it again. But yeah. in a way, looking back, it's done me very good service to have gone through all of this. Yeah. Um, and it is like you know accepting an Oscar where the music starts playing because you can't thank everybody. Yeah, I know. I kind of feel that way. Yeah. I feel like there's so many people we haven't mentioned and so yeah. many gifts and so many meals dropped off and people paying for our hotel room in Baltimore. And right. Like, it's just, it's nuts it how everybody... Yeah, it does. Yeah. It really does. There's some people, and I feel like we surround them with a lot of them, they don't ask how to help. They just help. Yeah. They just do. They just do it. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, well, thank you for being my 100th episode. I know. Wow. Congrats big... <laughs> to you on 100. That's awesome. We were hoping it would have uh, dropped on Valentine's Day. That would have just been too perfect. But um, <laughs> we had to push back a week. But um, thank you for being on. And um, we'll thank definitely you for having do me. an update at some point. Yeah. Post, this is kind of therapeutic, too. It's nice yeah. to talk about it. I usually just write about it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe... Uh, We'll September of, of 2023, we, we have go. one. Yeah. So. Love you. Love you too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Paul for sharing your cancer story. Your strength and will to push through difficult times is inspiring. If you want to read more about Paul's journey, you can visit www.caringbridge.org backslash visit backslash Paul G. Freeman backslash journal. Thank you to our relatable community for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe either on YouTube or your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills. You can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting www.tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, stay connected.